0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Knowing Spirit, the podcast. Thanks for tuning in again. So today I have with me J.T. Hawkins. He wasn't with us on our first episode, but he is here today to speak more about the coronavirus and what his thoughts are and the connection between Revelation 6, verse 8. And I also have with me David Chandler, who's going to be talking and giving us his thoughts and feedback so we're just gonna hop right to it i just want to say thank you for having me on here
1: and uh i'm sorry i missed the first the first uh episode on this topic i really wish i was on it but uh, i do appreciate you uh allowing us to expound a little further on the subject so my theories as to what this uh coronavirus is and you know this is thanks to you passing out passing out the message real quick and the messenger, I had to go and do my research. Okay. Technically I wrote this article before I seen the research. And so it also inspired me to write a second article because there there's another scriptural connection to the 5G uh, perspective. I hope oh, we don't get in into-
0: Oh wow. And and let me just interject right quick. These articles are going to be posted on a knowing spirit. I haven't gotten to it yet, but they will be posted this week. I looked at the virus itself
1: when I did this, when I did this article, and uh, usually when I think about viruses and the situation that's going on today in our time, the Book of Revelation always comes up. That's the first book of the Bible that comes to my mind anytime I write an article about a specific topic. I put the scripture first. Yes. So now in the discussion that David, Darian, and yourself had, the book of Revelation was brought up. I think it was you, David, was it not?
2: Yes, Revelation chapter 6.
1: I'm going to start with the top of this article and
2: uh, go into a little bit of
1: details about this. Okay. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over a fourth part of the earth, to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. Revelation 6, 8. Uh, back in the day when I was first studying the book of Revelation, it described this pale horse as being green. And David, you touched on this as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the Greek word that I pointed to that's used there is chorus. Looking at the other three horses and how they are used, I I use the same principle here in Revelation uh, 6, 8, with the rider on the pale horse. So pale usually refers to someone sickly or is ill or even death. Okay. Then we have a rider who's riding on this horse whose name is death. Now, I'm going to ask y'all, how many times... Do y'all
0: see the association of death with sickness in that verse in particular, or just in general? Just, just in general, like in
1: a, in a normal discussion or, or conversation, and people's talking about sickness and disease. Usually, death is uh, another word that you, you you hear all of the time when we're talking about sickness and and, and death. Yeah, disease, disease and death. Right.
0: Yes. And I think yep. that's because, you know, people are probably assuming or preparing for the worst, I guess, when people are sick. Right. Yeah. So but now the reason why I pointed that out is because I wanted to
1: solidify the fact that uh that this horse deals specifically with sickness and disease. Again, when we're talking about coronavirus, something that can make you sick, something that can kill you. And especially it's on a worldwide, uh, a global scale. It is something to really
0: pay attention to. So, and part of what you said in your article that I I paid attention to, you you noted that some people believe that what's going on with the coronavirus is basically the beginning of revelation playing out. And what you mentioned in your article is that you don't believe that that's the case, not right now. Like you're saying, it, it's not Revelation playing out, but you think that it's something else. Can you explain what you meant by that a bit more? So, yes,
1: there are people who believe that the things that are taking place today is the actual book of Revelation, the situations. Or the seals being opened in Revelation, they believe that it's happening now. Uh, there's a specific name for some of these folks uh, that I believe they go, they call themselves preterists. Uh yep. Preterism. Yep. And David is much more familiar with the names of those who hold to a post-tribulation rapture, things of that nature. With those doc, with with those ideologies comes their own separate uh interpretation of revelation and one of those interpretations is that we are currently in revelation right now and the reason why i don't believe that is because i hold to what jesus said in matthew 24 Mm
2: -hmm. jesus was uh if i could interject for a second Um, And I'm going to probably be paraphrasing, but Jesus was telling his disciples after they raised the question, when will these these times be? And Jesus answered and said, take heed, lest no man deceive you. And one of the first things that Christ said was are going to be false prophets and false Christs, insomuch they shall deceive the very elect. And then he was going down the line where there will be pestilences earthquakes in diverse places and but gt i'm sure you're going to focus more on the on the latter which is the pestilences
1: right so that's that's exactly right looking at matthew 24 starting with verse i'll start with verse 4 and jesus answered and said unto them take heed that no man deceives you for many shall come in my name saying christ and shall deceive many And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. How much plainer do I have to make it? But I'm not finished yet. Let me continue to read. Uh, For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences. That's your word there. And earthquakes in diverse places. That's in random places all around the world. All now, listen. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Besides the point that Jesus said that the end is not yet, He describes how it's going to uh, multiply or escalate as the end becomes closer. As the end gets closer, what I used, I believe, in the article, it was an example of a woman who is pregnant with a child and the child is about to breach the birth canal and i and i witnessed this because i would you know i'm saying my son when he was born i saw i saw it happening as time increased the contractions increased the pains increased and it continued that way all the way up until my son was born so if we use this example And look at the events that are taking place in the world today this is where we are this is where we are the beginning of sorrows jesus christ his return is like that of a child breaching the birth canal when he comes back all of the things all of the things that he that he said was going to happen will be at their peak but right now that's the reason why I don't feel
0: that we are okay. in the book. so so let me let me summarize just a little bit just to make sure that I understand, so you're saying that everything that's happening now could not be basically revelations playing out because literally this is just the beginning, and what when Jesus returns, everything's going to be at its peak, so things are going to be at maximum level the worst that it could be so is that what you're trying to say that's exactly what i'm saying
1: listen to what jesus says here
0: but pray ye that your flight be not in the
1: winter neither on the Sabbath day for then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time nor nor ever shall be in other words when that when that tribulation hits we will know it and it'll be a time that is worse than any time in the past or it would it, there will be nothing else to match it in the future
0: can we honestly say that right now this is where we at that is interesting and you know what and I'm glad that you brought that up because I had a conversation with two people about this very issue. And that was the exact same thing that was said. It was saying that in the time that Jesus comes, there will be no question. There will be no doubt. All will know and understand what is happening in that moment. And you talk, you right yeah. Okay. Let's see. Woohoo. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh,
1: I'm I'm hot right now. Yes. Yeah. Let's go back to Revelation six
2: real quick. Okay?
1: And, and to what you just said, they will know, right? The people will know, right? Yeah. Yep. Revelation. It 6. would
2: be the same way as Jesus went into uh, ascended into heaven. Everyone will know that it's him. All right. Well, the...
1: let let me let me read you what John said here in Revelation six. I'm going to start at. Verse 12, And I beheld, when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heavens departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain island moved out of their places. Now, you say everybody will know, right? Uh-huh. Listen to what he says about the kings of the earth. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said unto the mountains and rocks, fall on us. And how from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and the wrath of his lamb for the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand? Yes, they will know.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. So, so I, I got to, yeah. well, I
2: wanted to uh, chime in if I may. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there, there are plenty of, of schools of thought that, contradict what we're you know what your premise is and uh, one of which you just mentioned uh, in the beginning of your premise in the beginning of your treatise one is preterism well there's two subtypes there's uh, full preterism and there's partial preterism
0: and, and, and then, then I'm sorry you're gonna explain can you explain those quickly
2: oh well full preterism is the idea that uh, everything that we're talking about now as it pertains to Bible prophecy has already been passed. It's everything, mm-hmm. all the way up from uh, Titus uh, invading the uh, the Jewish temple in 70 AD up until now. Everything is just done already. Partial preterism is it's, it's kind of half and half. Like they'll believe that some of Bible prophecy is already taking place, but not all of it. We're still living in the last days. Per se, but we, we're now like GT just explained. We're living in the Book of Revelation right now, and the seals are being opened right now. And I've heard preachers even now in the church teach this openly that we're living in the lat in the days of the Book of Revelation, but we're not. But that's what they'll tell you. And then there's a couple of others: postmillennialism and amillennialism. Yeah, postmillennialism. But-
1: Whole
2: bunch of them. <laughs> yeah, post-millennial. And I'm not going to labor too long about that. But post-millennialism is the idea that uh, Jesus Christ will not come until after the tribulation. that's post-tribulation saints. Well, the that the post-tribulation will be. You. And the amillennialist believes that Jesus Christ isn't coming at all. Mm. That we're just going to have to just be here. But. Postmillennialism is the idea that Jesus Christ is coming after the tribulation. It's in that same verse that we just read in Matthew chapter 24.
1: Just real quick response. One of the reasons why a lot of saints who hold to those doctrines make that uh, assertion is because usually they don't understand what is called the double reference interpretation. The double reference interpretation works like this. There's a prophecy in the Old Testament in regards to the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. It was directly spoken to the prophet of that time, and it was in regards to a, a, one of the priests, I think it was Isaiah himself, who bore a child, which was a sign to them that God was still with them at that time. This is where we find, uh, I can't remember the exact uh, reference, I'm Anybody can look it up uh, anytime later, but it's it's the infamous uh, Emmanuel. His name should be Emmanuel.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: the double reference interpretation to, to this is it was to that time also to a future time. And the reason why we know it's a future time because it's in reference to the birth of Jesus Christ. And uh, to make it even more plainer, Matthew uses that same prophecy to uh, uh, solidify that it's, it's the fulfillment, it's the, it's the final fulfillment of that particular scripture. Another way to look at the double reference interpretation is like this. We go outside, we look up, and we at nighttime we see the moon. It's beautiful, right, with your naked eye. Now, but when you take a telescope and you look at the moon, you can see more of the features of the moon. That's how we look at the double interpretation method. Uh, What we see as far as the prophecies of Jesus Christ, uh, the, the coming of the Lord, his birth, all of that is here in the Old Testament. This is where preterists feel like all of those prophecies have already come to pass. In actuality, they have come to pass those were only types and shadows of the ultimate fulfillment which is the return of Jesus Christ
2: and then you have the allegorical interpretation as well uh, Candace which means that these things didn't literally happen you you look at
1: that's a dangerous thought to have uh, because then you allegorize the entire bible and a lot of uh, everything that has happened in the bible is literal history and to say it never happened you calling god a lie and we know god is a man who cannot lie
0: so okay so you're saying it's dangerous to go down the allegorical line of thinking
1: what i'm saying is we can't just hold on to only one of those perspectives because it's not like the preterists are lying when they say that the prophecies have already come to pass. They did. They came to pass in those uh in the time in the days or the years following after the prophets warned the children of Israel what was going to happen, so on and so forth. But there are certain prophecy elements there that cannot and did not happen at that time. As far as one one famous one is, if I can think right off the top of my head, the stars of heaven fall into the earth. Or the whole world blanketed by black smoke, the sun, the sunlight uh, blocked out, and the moonlight blocked out. All right. So some of the other thought patterns that David was talking about, the amillennialists and uh, post-tribulationists, and th- there are like mainly three schools of thoughts on the, the eschatology and the return of Jesus Christ. You have those who believe that. Be, like we yeah we're gonna go through the sorrows, but when the tribulation pops off, God is before that happens. God is gonna snatch the church out of this world, and that is based off of Second uh, Timothy chapter two it says he that now letteth will be removed. Thessalonians. From, I'm sorry. That's, thank you, David. Uh, will be removed out of will be removed, and then. That evil one will be revealed. So,
2: yep. that's 1 Thessalonians
1: 2 and 3. What it's saying there, and this is how pre tribulationists believe or interpret this passage it is the removing of the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit, out of this world, the church, and at that point in time, all the evil in the world will be able to run rampant.
2: I'm sorry, that was Second Thessalonians two and three. That that was my mistake, but uh, yeah, that that's the the restraining power of the Holy Spirit being taken away out of the earth. Okay. And, All
1: right, and I can go deeper into that one, but I'm not just for time's sake. The second one is the mid, it's called a mid tribulation rapture, and these people believe that rapture or the snatching of the church out of the world is during the uh, three and a half year mark into the tribulation. They look at it as if uh, they look at it like the tribulation doesn't actually start until the three and a half year mark after the Antichrist makes peace with Israel because they say that this is the point in time when he reveals his true self. My understanding of Revelation and of this point in time, the things that were happening is for these people that you say uh, are left behind, now they are trying to find their way. Now they want to come to church. Now they want to uh, represent Christ and all this other stuff or do what's right. Now uh, they have to endure through this, uh, through this time period of tribulation. And then, okay, so I ain't going to go too much into that one, uh, but that's the gist of it. Post-tribulation people, what they believe is that there is no rapture. The only rapture that happens is at the end of the tribulation uh, when Jesus comes. So Jesus comes from the sky. He opens up the heavens. He snatches the church up to heaven, and then he sends out the angels to go and get the remaining children of Israel that spread out all across the world to bring them back to Jerusalem, he goes down and he fights. I call that the U-turn theory because it's like we instantly go up, then we instantly go back down with him.
0: And so, David, what are your thoughts on those theories and everything?
2: Uh, Well, uh, I I just, I, I think that Um, Those theories are are wrong, actually, Um, and there are noted Christian leaders in the church world that believe this, one of which is a guy by the name of Hank Hanegraaff. He's a partial preterist, though. He's even stated on a number of occasions that most, if not all, of the Bible prophecy is symbolic in nature. He was kind of – in the beginning, he was kind of leaning towards the partial preterist view, but as time wore on, he started leaning towards the full preterist side of the spectrum. And then you have other uh, names like um, – I can't remember his name. I think it was G. Craig Lewis that even teaches that, the whole idea that Jesus – he denied the, the, in, the imminency of Christ's return. Uh, I was listening to one of his um, true church perspective uh, sermons and he was, this was a couple of years ago, and he was talking about that, but there's a couple of things that I wanted to say before I turn it back over to G.T. is is, uh, the historicist view of the book of Revelation, and the historicist view of of the book of Revelation is what we believe. That's the dispensational view that everything happens in each era. Like, it's from AD, uh, well, from AD, uh, from BC on up to AD, and then and, and, and from the times of the apostles up until now. And this is in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 is the church, the, the seven churches. And that's, uh, seven churches. Of, this is called church history. And that's the historicist view. Now there are the the, the pastor that I uh, sent you guys um, a while ago. He denies this as well. He says that these things did not happen, and so that's the historicist view. And of course, the allegorical view is what we just got finished discussing before. But all of these things are unbiblical. But uh, there's a, a a passage of scripture that I wanted to to talk to you guys about, or read to you actually and um i think that's in the book of uh, first or second peter where um where is the promise of his coming yeah and everything was as it was before and i can't remember the the, the passage uh, the where it is but
1: they pretty much say that uh uh where is the promise of his coming for all the things that we see now have, are still the same even when our fathers was here even during the time of our fathers yeah man, I, I, so in other words it's like if I was putting it in layman terms uh oh where is Jesus Christ at y'all been saying he coming for 2,000 years still not here yet there'll be scoffers in the last time
2: yeah it's uh it, it, in the last days there shall be scoffers and that's 2nd Peter 3 3 and 4 uh, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts, verse 4, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Now this is uniformitarianism, and I'm not going to get into what that means per se because of the, the time constraints, but a lot of uh, amillennialist post-tribulational uh, individuals, they all believe that things either they believe that things are are are, this, are going to be the same as before, or they believe that well we're living in in the book of Revelation now. And what uniformitarianism teaches is is by liberal scholars is that things are are the same as they were before. As a matter of fact, they're evolving. They're getting better.
1: That's that's backwards. <laughs>
2: Yeah. So, but th- this is the the scoffers in the last days. You know, the, I haven't seen Jesus hasn't come back yet. So we're just going to live life the way we've been living for the past couple of years. And now this belief system is beginning to creep into the church world. Uh, you see more and more, and we're talking about noted scholars. We're not talking about laymen. We're we're talking about people who are educated. And they're saying that this is happening, and, and and my thing is, why aren't we stepping in and saying, well, wait a minute? And I, and I know why, because um, most church, most people that attend church, or even people that don't attend church, but they're genuinely saved, they have they they have an apprehension of approaching these individuals because of their educational level. And they say, well, what can we say to these guys because they've been to seminary five times over and they've got four and five college degrees, and here I am barely out of high school. So what right. can I possibly say to these people to convince them that what they're talking about is false?
1: Yeah, and see, I don't I don't make a, a big deal about what a person believes as far as the rapture is concerned. Uh, this is just my understanding of how the eschatology works and it seems to work the best because it explains everything um so but that's probably another
0: discussion that we can have uh we will definitely revisit things that people want to hear more about in other episodes but what was interesting to me was when you were talking about how it may be biological warfare and you had examples and how to compare it to biblical teaching as well so could you explain that a bit more uh yeah i can definitely do that so what i was pointing at
1: was you know the the rider on the on the pale horse the horse's pale and it was given a sword i remember uh reading one of Hal lindsey's books uh, a lot of people don't like them but hey that's their prerogative i had this book called the apocalypse code and it explained what a sword was meant, uh, well, it explained what a sword is when we looking at it from an allegorical perspective. Because uh, we have now, Revelation has a lot of allegory or metaphors in it. But uh, for example, they say he was given a, a sword to destroy a force of mankind. Back in those days, a sword was used for War. And so uh, I'll read from the article. If we have a combination of pestilence and a sword, the only other explanation would be the weaponization of sickness and disease. And in other words, biological warfare. And I remember when I first came to this understanding, I think I was uh, I think I was like 16 or 17 years old. Mm -hmm. and the first person i thought about when it came to biological warfare was saddam hussein because saddam hussein used chemical warfare on his people years later i read about how the hiv aids virus was created in a lab and so i'm thinking to myself like Wow, if mankind can, can create diseases, and then we, we saw examples when the Europeans came over to America, they had blankets uh, contaminated with smallpox and gave them to the Indians. That's biological warfare. That's mm-hmm. at an primitive level. Consider where we at today. A sword, people don't go out and fight wars with a sword. They go out and fight, uh, fight wars with weapons, guns, grenades, bombs, but the word sword is used here to, to emphasize that. he. I mean, think about it. John was taken from the first century, no, yeah, first century AD, all the way up to we don't know when the end of the world is going to be, but look at our time. What would he say if he saw a car? If he saw uh, uh, an airplane or what would he
0: call missiles coming down from the sky? Interesting. No, and I was going to say to your point, for a lot of people who think that, okay, the biological warfare thing is extreme, but then also in your article, you talk about the Tuskegee Airmen. Oh, yes. Yes. So can you explain that a little bit more for people who don't know? The Tuskegee Airmen were the uh
1: african americans uh who were part of the tuskegee uh uh com- combat brigade uh air air brigade and after some time doctors experimented on them with syphilis mm-hmm. they injected these these african-american men proud men who flew and fought for their country with syphilis. That is purposely targeting a specific group of people eth- ethnically for harm and abuse. That's, yes. That's biological warfare.
0: And so, your thought process is that the coronavirus might have been a similar type of thing where it was either accidentally or on purpose released to people. Is that what you're thinking? Or.
1: Yes, uh I can tell you read the
0: article. <laughs> I did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there was this uh concept about well let, let me let me read the headline from the article real quick. According to healthline.com, the coronavirus is a new outbreak of coronavirus, called COVID-19. Apparently, this virus falls under the fam- family of the SARS virus family that broke out a few years ago. It is a new disease that sprung up in the early uh, in the city of Wuhan, China. So uh, so far, this virus has spread from China, South Korea, Iran, North Italy, and even 30 cases in the United States. This is at the point in time when I was writing this article. It was so low. Now the numbers are even higher. So according to some theories, and I think Darian honed in on this one, and I'm with him on this. The case was put out there that Chinese people was eating bats, and the the bats had the coronavirus in them and uh they was feeding it to their shops and and things uh things of that nature then one of the other articles stated that sometimes the scientists use viruses like this in their labs and then when they're done with the animals they release the animals to the marketplaces where people keep them for pets or for food
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and that's how it possibly spread so then I started thinking back I said okay well I heard the same thing and I just put it in the article to make note of it because this is what is being said but I'm I'm with Darian on this one no I don't believe that them eating but they now he he said they don't eat bats, but uh they do in some cases they they eat it's not a widely accepted thing in China but some of them do they eat that but that's just that's taboo to us that's their culture so anyways so as i was saying this other article was saying that they they sell the food they sell the lab animals to the streets and people cook them keep them as pests and get bit or do all kinds of crazy things with them eat them and then the virus is, is spread that way no we heard the same thing with the green monkey. Now I'm telling you that green monkey is in the back of my mind all the time when I hear HIV, because it goes my mind goes right back to the point when I first heard about it and how it got started. Oh, somebody had sex with a excuse my excuse my uh, language. I'm not cursing anything, but yeah, uh, they had they had it was theorized that somebody had sex with a green monkey that he went out and had sex with his his wife and his otherwise and their concubines and it spread that way. No, no, no. Because we we don't have green monkeys in the United States. So how did it spread to the United States?
0: Yeah, and then apparently there's different strands of the virus as well, from what I heard. So it seems as though if this were a virus that started at a specific point, it would be the same one all around the world but there's different strands so exactly so again
1: it's it's like it had to have been created in a lab and that's that's the example that i use in the article because now if they are doing if they're doing these things in laboratories if they're doing it in laboratories then uh and they are if there's no denying them, there's a Wuhan Biological Warfare Center there in China. basically create viruses for biological warfare. It's been done before and it will, it's will. been done now and it will continue being done all the way up until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, which we see in Revelation chapter 6. We go right back to Revelation 26. If we think it's bad right now, no. Wait until the rider on the uh pale horse is actually riding when you really see a fourth of mankind dying not just and uh i think i made a, a a point in the article as well about how the word there where it says that they use the uh he, he uses the beast of the earth the beast that word beast and mm-hmm. i'm David, correct me if I'm wrong. The, the Greek word there is cherry on.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That word there emphasizes one literal animals of the earth. So we can say that the Rider on the Beast will be using real animals on this planet to kill one fourth of mankind. But we can look sure. at the other, which is mankind who has lost all consciousness of himself. In other words, a zombie. Interesting. Explain I that. Think. I also made a point about methamphetamine drugs. There, there are plenty of videos that you can go to and look at people high off of drugs. The dude who ate the other man's face on with bath soaps. Uh, people getting shot by tasers, and, not, and it's not even phasing them, because they high off of some type of drug. Yes, getting hit by cars and getting up like it ain't nothing because they high on some type of drug. What I pointed out again in the article was the use of the word uh, uh, pharmakia when it talks about sorceries, mm-hmm. because the Bible says that they in Revelation it says that I think this is in chapter nine where it says uh, met. Despite all the judgment coming on them.
2: They're I not going to repent of their sorceries.
1: Amen. They didn't repent of their sorceries. That word, their sorcery, is the Greek word pharmakia. And, of course, we know that we have an English word that relates to that, which is pharmacist.
0: Yes.
2: Drug use.
1: So there's a connection here with uh, if you want to take the literal. And, actually, I can take both perspectives because. Uh, now, this might lead us into the whole conversation with the 5G, but I'm going to keep it on the virus level for right now. They create these hybrid animals in the laboratories, too. Some of them live. Some of them don't live. They die. But think about it. It's a hybrid, and When I say a hybrid animal, I'm talking about two different species of animal being cloned or connected together at the DNA, at the DNA level.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and again, for people who think that these things are conspiracy theories or that they're not factual, there is evidence of this. If you've heard of a liger, that is perfect example of two species being brought together. A lion right. and a tiger brought together. But we have other examples where several years ago, they were doing things where they were injecting monkeys with jellyfish DNA for whatever reason, and it was called Andy. And that is, I think, inverted DNA, spelled back. These things are out there. You can check it out. And this is what a lot of scientists are doing. So continue. I just had to make that. The liger
1: uh, is a lion and a tiger, but it's still a cat. Uh, Jellyfish DNA into a monkey's DNA changes what the monkey is. Basically, a living, genetically modified organism. A big old gmo this is why they tell us not to eat these gmos because they can change us at the uh, molecular level that's david area and i'm not going to get into it the point is if we want to go with the first perspective that the rider on the uh the rider on the pale horse is going to use the beasts of the earth it's possible it's very possible I mean think about what's happening to the earth at this time. The earth is literally going to be on fire. Um, it says that all of the green grass was burned up. Where are the animals going to go? All the green trees are burned up. Where are the animals going to go? Yeah. We don't we don't want to have moose and deer and buffalo in the woods. We got mountain lions, we got wolves, we got uh Uh, Who bears
0: there's a lot of information out there floating around about the coronavirus where it originated why it originated there's a lot of things floating around there and there's also a lot that we don't know and so a lot of the fear and anxiety that's being like pushed out is because people are getting sick they're going to the hospital and our system is overwhelmed with a lot of people and it's hard to manage now as for the virus itself what i originally heard from the beginning was that if you catch it it's an uncomfortable thing you won't feel well but if you give it some time you'll get over it you'll be okay so it seems like things are changing from that to something else because literally just a few weeks ago and i have the the evidence from someone from the cdc who was talking about yes so stay home make yourself feel better and everything will be okay now Mm -hmm. it seems like it's changing and it's getting more severe the symptoms seem more severe supposedly from everyone who has caught it i don't know what to believe in that regard and maybe we can transition here into the other theory that's been going around about 5g i'm with you I think it's being overboard right now even we are
1: on a five uh five o'clock curfew here and everybody see see it on the news oh calhoun county done rose uh 25 percent with the coronavirus oh we got a confirmed death three more dead this and that this and that but for some reason when you go outside you don't see that Mm mm-hmm so I'm I'm with you on that like as far as you know questioning the authenticity of these reports uh the 5G perspective. So, I had an idea about this a few years ago, maybe last year because post I put up uh, uh you can't make America great again by using uh 5G. That's what I put <laughs> okay cool and i did that because i heard a short uh, i heard a short report about how the president wants to push america into 5g because he wants to be competitive with uh uh with china so i'm like okay i go and look up 5g and it talks about the dangers of 5g on the body the radiation that's coming from it so i was like whoa now i'm with you on some things but on this one bruh I can't. I can't do it. I, I can't get with the 5G. So when we got the message from you, that solidified it for me. And mm-hmm. I done looked twice already. Tell us the, what
0: you found. Tell us what you found because you said you've been researching.
1: The reason I know that there's some validity to the 5G to, well, I won't say because I say theory, 5G theory, as far as the coronavirus is concerned is because growing up we were always warned about living close to nuclear stations, power plant stations, uh, because they throw out electricity or radiation. Uh, and a lot of people who live close to these areas end up having some type of health problems. Yes. Uh, cancer, or uh, usually it's just cancer for the most part. Mm hmm. Uh, uh, hair loss, delirium, you know, crazy things that deal with the head, sicknesses that deal with the head. So when I heard 5G first time last year or the year before, I was like, uh, 5G, I remember the warnings. That mm, no, that's not good. But again, when you sent that, I solidified it. So what I was talking about as far as like the next article that I'm going to write, Specifically, going to deal with five uh, G in a sense. Now, we're talking about when we and you saw the video too, you because you sent it to us. But it talked about how it changes the environment. So something that changes the environment it changes the air that we breathe. And I heard the word air. That you already know where I'm going with this. What mm, Air, yes. What is the first scripture that? comes up when we hear about the air being affected? What scripture comes to your mind? I'm going to ask you that.
0: Well, I was just going to say, I think about when they talk about the devil being in the air or something like that.
2: Yeah, Ephesians 6.12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places.
1: That's one. What's the next one? Now, Candace, she she said it. (laughs)
0: I And I didn't say it properly <laughs> at all. <laughs> but yeah, I think about that picture that talks about the devil being somehow in the air or something like that, if you could explain.
2: The prince of the power of the air. Yes.
1: Yeah. Right. There you go. That is where my next article is coming from. So... I haven't finished it yet because I'm still doing a lot of different research, but um, I'm gonna make sure when I finish I let you know. But I think well, that will be that will be like follow up with this article that I just uh, that that we're looking at now. Yes.
2: Well, uh, can I uh, chime in for a second? Uh, you, you mentioned something that was a couple of things that were. Pretty key to what you and I have been talking about on, on a couple of occasions. I, I do remember us talking about it or, or touching on it in a show that we did on you and um, about the the whole virus thing and how viruses work in in lieu of Revelation chapter six. Now the word beast in in that in that particular passage not only refers to. Uh, um, animals and man, man losing their, their, their essence, in a sense, becoming just, uh, and, and for lack of a better term, sociopathic. But uh, it's, it's talking about pathogens. Like, for instance, you have this coronavirus that went from no one, know, no one knowing whether or not how it's passed from human to, to, to human – to now, it's passed through the air. Now it's uh, first. It was passed through from person to person. After the after they said that it, they didn't know whether how it was being passed on. Now it's being passed through the air, and now we're we're told that we have to wear masks. Now scientists have been telling us for years that viruses mutate, and that's just strictly science fiction. Who better to know that than I do?
0: Please explain, David. Can you can you explain?
2: Well, viruses do not mutate. Viruses are particularly now. I've heard that the coronavirus. I was on Facebook and I heard a per and, and I saw a person uh, post that vir, that this particular virus is this particular virus is made out of a, of a protein. Well, all of them are. All of them are. And what? First of all let me explain what a virus does. A virus when it enters a person's body what they do is they latch onto a host cell and what what else and, and what they also do is inject what is called uh, their corrupted RNA. It's, it's it's RNA that they they use to inject because viruses can't live outside of the of a host. They have to have a host in order to live. And uh, replicate. That's what that's what we what microbiologists call replication. When they enter a cell, or when they inject an RNA sequencing into a into a host cell, they cor- they corrupt the, the, the healthy cell's RNA sequencing to force that cell to produce or to turn into a virus-making factory. So once that vi- once that cell is corrupted, then that cell breaks off from the virus and it affects the entire cellular system, and, and then it latches on to another cell, and then it causes, it, it, it creates the same uh, process, and the process is, is repeated. So now when the immune system is already compromised, or if the, uh, the virus gets a head start on, on the body's immune system so that the body can't catch it in time to kill it, then that's when the body becomes compromised, and it breaks down, and it results in the proliferation of symptoms. And uh, so that's how a virus works. Now, as far as it mutating, again, as I I reiterate, viruses don't mutate. What they do is there are different strains of the same virus. There are different strains. There's no such thing as a virus, the same virus turning into something else. A lot of scientists are giving us false information. have been giving false information for years, and the information that they give, is from an evolutionary perspective. And that's where we have to hone in on evolution. Where are all these viruses coming from? And for what purpose do they serve? Do they serve to eliminate the the population? Is it serving a, a a eugenicist perspective? Or is it because, you know, eugenicists, And globalists believe that in order to maintain balance in the atmosphere or in the environment is to kill off a certain number of people. So how do we do that? Well, let's send out a virus that nobody knows the cure for.
1: And see, to respond to David, uh, in the whole issue about how the viruses are, the different strains are created in a laboratory, Think about the AIDS virus.
2: Something well, you got to understand. Well, and, and not to cut you off, T. Tim, sorry, but uh, first of all, Robert Gallo said that he would have a vaccine, or it might have been uh, a, a woman that was his assistant, but at any rate, they said, or, you know, the World Health Organization said that they would have a vaccine for the AIDS virus by 1984. Of course, they lied, but that's what they said. They said that they would have a, a, a vaccine. Available for you know those individuals that were infected with the AIDS virus by 1984, and then it would be it would be conquered, the AIDS virus would be cured. But then they turned around by 1986 and said, well, there's no cure for the disease. You have it, you're dead. Kind of funny, isn't it? How in in a matter of two years they went from saying we have a virus, or we have we 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 will have a a vaccine by 1984. And then by 1986, we said, "Oh, sorry. No, cure. we're dead. Once you get it, you're you're done. You're toast.
0: (laughs) We touched on a lot of things today. We might have to have other shows to kind of elaborate on a few things that were brought up. So, So if the coronavirus is not a part of the whole end times discussion, how should people really be approaching this time and what's happening here What should people be paying attention to? What should people be preparing for? Those type of things. So I'll start with GT and then I'll get back to David.
1: I would think that one of the things that need to be very careful about is the vaccine. I'm very cautious about all vaccines because of the history that surrounds them. Um, My son received vaccinations for school uh, when he was younger. And it really debil- uh, made his learning debilitating, you know, like mm-hmm. he was disabled from it. Thank God that uh, he's recovered. Vaccinations tend to have negative effects. So that would be one of the things that I would say focus on. Now, as far as everything else that's going on, as far as this uh, five o'clock curfew, walking around, social distancing and all that, if the government is asking you to do that, just do it. You know, like, don't make a scene. Don't make a big deal about it. long as they ain't trying to get you to do something to kill yourself, then everything should be all right. So um, maybe, you know what I'm saying, there is a connection between the 5G and the coronavirus. For me, what I'm doing is driving around to see if I see any of these antennas. And I don't know if the website was legit or not, but it was able to give me the locations of maybe several 5G towers. Yeah, and a lot of places where they said that the coronavirus popped up, they seem to be surrounded by these uh, so-called 5G towers. So maybe be aware
0: of that. We'll, you know, like, well, report back to us if you see anything strange going on. <laughs> I sure will. Definitely. Okay. So for you, you're saying be cautious about the vaccine. Okay. David, what are your thoughts during this time? period? Well, I think
2: that um, we ought to just be mindful of what's happening now, uh, how the government is taking more and more control over our lives. And it's blatant now. Before, it used to be just a conspiracy theory, like we would just talk about it amongst ourselves while everybody else looks at us like we were crazy. But now it's actually becoming evident. Mm. It's, it's becoming evident that the government is taking more. They're getting on national television and saying, okay, keep with the six feet social distancing. And if you're caught out at a particular point in time, you know, just uh they're going to – you know, gather the troops around you and you're going to be, uh, in some states anyway. I don't know, it it hasn't happened yet in Pennsylvania, but they're telling us to stay home. They're still, while not telling us about a vaccine, which is kind of interesting, you know, they're not telling us anything about a treatment, but you're still telling us to stay home, and not only that, but the thing that's really worrisome to me is the fact that they're prohibiting churches, they're prohibiting Social gatherings—they're uh, prohibiting certain things that uh, we that the government should not be involved in, and, uh, it, it, and it's it's worrisome to me. Uh, I think of the Hegelian dialectic, and it's a manufactured um, it's a manufactured problem. And, and what I mean by that is, of course, you've heard of George Hegel. Uh, a philosopher that developed this system, and its thesis, antithesis, thesis, antithesis, and synthesis, or problem, reaction, solution. They come up with the problem. It's like going to your arsonist to help you put out the fire, he, but the arsonist was the one that put the that started the fire. So now you're going to go to him and ask him to put the fire out. But that that's literally what it is. It, it's problem, reaction, solution. They create the problem. We react to the problem, we dumb down sheeple, and then we, as a result of us reacting to the problem, we go to the, the, the elitist that caused it in the first place to tell us what to do or to, please, do something about this problem that you started in the first place. Okay, we'll do it. And and that's what the Hegelian dialectic is, and this is this whole coronavirus thing is a, a prime example of that. 9-11 was one. Uh, the... Those school shootings were 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 one, um, and all others. So we, we have to be mindful of the times that we're living in, and uh, just uh, move on from there. And like DT said, if if the government, if you, you find yourself in a in a situation to where you're being told by the cops to do something, comply, don't, don't create a scene, don't do anything, but not only comply, but I just you have know your rights yes. as a citizen and know your rights as an individual. Well, that trust in the Lord.
0: Well, that's good. For me, I think what's very important for people to pay attention to is not getting caught up in all the fear and the depression and all of these type of things because this is what ends up right. happening. People become more isolated, they become more fearful, and when you're afraid, you're not thinking clearly and you're ready to take anything that someone gives you just so you can get that fear off your back. You don't want to yeah. you do not want to fall into that situation right now because literally when public safety forefront of everything, that's when constitutional rights are Taken away slowly but surely, a little bit by a little bit. And before long, your freedoms are completely encroached upon. And you're like, wait, how did I get here? And this is exactly how you get to those type of things. So there needs to be a balance because I'm all for public safety. I'm all for um, the government protecting people, but you also don't want to completely give up your rights in order for certain measures to be taken because there's always a way that it can be done better or where it doesn't have to encroach on your civil liberties as much and so there has to be an evaluation process of that as well you can't just say oh hey government just do whatever you want no we need to be thoughtful in what we're doing and we, not, we need not get caught up in fear and just accept anything. So that's the first thing. The other thing is, I think at this moment in time, doing what you can for yourself will be the best and safest measure. And you have to get back to basics. And what I mean by that is this. You can still go to the grocery store. Uh, the first couple of weeks, people stockpiled up on canned foods and all of these other type of things. But guess what? There's still fresh fruits and vegetables in the grocery store right now. Yes.
1: Yes, amen.
0: So, yes. so the best way to protect yourself is by what you ingest into your system and what you do each day. You can't go out and socialize with 10 people, but you can walk around the block. You can get some fresh air. You can do some exercises. You can eat right. And all these things will safeguard you as much as possible from what is going on. And the hospitals are being overwhelmed. You can protect yourself by not having to go to the hospital with certain things. So we're going to end there. I want to say thank you to GT for writing the article. It's going to be post on a, posted on A Knowing Spirit, and you can be able to read in detail and closely everything that he said. Thanks, David, for chiming in and giving us your thoughts on everything. And um, what I decided to do – was continue to do the reading of my book spiritual warfare but i may alternate so one show will be a reading and then the next show will be a discussion with the group about different topics and the news and what's going on i hope you guys tune in be safe out there and god bless